people at the end of the day, they bank with people. You know, and I, and I, I tell people, I, you know, especially when it comes to safety and, and depositing, you know, funds in our bank, I tell them, you know, honestly, my parents who are elderly have most of their life savings with my bank and I will treat you the same way as I treat my parents. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on the Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the Retirement Fitness Plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on Processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. Today, we have joining us Fred DiBiase. He is the CEO with Valley Central Bank, a community bank, a regional bank here in Ohio. And I'm Leanne Sedell, here to help us with all our questions and to give us some guidance to stay in the best financial shape possible, the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hi, Ed. Hi, Fred. Hey, Fred. How are you? Hi, Ed. Hi, Leanne. How are you guys today? Doing good. You know what? I really appreciate you, uh, you know, being on the podcast today. We, you and I had a very interesting conversation just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I just thought it'd be a really good idea, um, you know, for, for you to share kind of, you know, from a business perspective, um, you know, what you guys uh, have gone through with COVID over the last, uh, you know, 18 months or so and how you overcame, how you kind of changed your business model and also maybe kind of talk about, you know, the consumer end and lending and interest rates and, um, you know, until Leanne tells me that we have to stop. How's that sound? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, Ed. I'll try to give you the uh, abridged version as much as I can. As we all know, the last 18 months has been uh, quite... um, uh, how, how do I want to say it? Unique to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, nice. um, for sure. And, uh, quite honestly, you know, overall, I think we came out of it pretty well. I mean, it's hard to, uh, imagine, um, you know, it certainly it could have gone a different direction, but, you know, right now we're certainly, um, you know, as an institution, uh, doing well, of course, um, you know, there's still some uh, lingering effects of the pandemic, Uh, you know, quite honestly, we've, uh, you know, we have reevaluated or in the process of reevaluating our delivery channels and, uh, you know, does the old model in banking, um, you know, really make sense. And I think we've learned that, uh, through the pandemic that we can deliver products and services, you know, in, in all sorts of different ways. And, um, you know, so we're exploring what's, you know, what's most efficient and, uh, you know, as far as what, um, 
what what would work best for the customer, uh, certainly first and foremost, and it also makes sense for the bank as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and you guys were um, in a very unique situation because in you were in the throes of a merger. Um, right. And then, you know, uh, compounded by, by COVID and, you know, so you had, you, you had a lot of balls in the air, you were juggling, you had to kind of come out with, um, different ways, uh, to, to serve your, your client base, your customers. And, you know, so, you know, kind of go through that and, and explain, cause you know, really what we're trying to do is, is help some of the, the small business owners here in Ohio learn, you know, what works, what didn't work and, and maybe they can kind of learn from it and, and, you know, do better with their own situation. Well, you know, absolutely. And I mean, I can tell you, you know, really quick, we, we had really what I would call a triple whammy. Uh, you know, we did merge in um, August of 2019. And, and shortly thereafter, we did embark on a, uh, a pretty large core processing conversion as a result of the merger. So, you know, it, it was difficult. It was challenging. We got through it and just seemed like just as soon as we were able to kind of catch our breath again, you know, long about March of 2020, we all know what happened, and then you know, we we got hit again. So we we had some people really through all that uh, staff members were really going through some PTSD. I mean, we've been through a lot with the merger and then the core conversion, and then COVID. But you know, through it all, you know, we were able to service uh, our clients. I don't think we missed the beat in terms of uh, you know delivery of services and taking care of the the needs of our customers. I know we had. Uh, uh, and, and I apologize, I don't know off the top of my head, but we did quite a quite a large amount of PPP lending during that time. Um, the number escapes me at the moment. It was in the millions. I can I can tell you that as far wow. as uh, That's get, getting capital. Yeah, it, it is. It, it certainly uh, it, it was needed, and, and getting capital in the hands of our, our customers that needed it was you know certainly um, first and foremost, and and, and we really did. Um, make that a high, high priority during during the pandemic, as well as uh, you know, granting uh, you know deferrals where where deferrals were necessary to help our customers uh, stay afloat. So it all kind of um, you know worked out, and I think you know the biggest challenges that, that I'm seeing, um, you know, really with with our customers, particularly business customers, is just uh you know uh employment needs and 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 people and and uh it just seems like that's been a, a challenge everywhere uh finding and retaining uh uh good people and i you know, read an article the other day on the, what they were calling the great resignation and you know a lot of people uh yeah uh, that, that were displaced during covid for whatever reason aren't coming back it doesn't appear at least not right now so that, that's going to be a challenge going forward well, what I noticed about community banks are um, the relationships you establish. I got to tell you, how do you feel like that gave you an edge, especially in the communities that you're in? How do you feel that that gave you a little bit of an edge on, uh, I don't know, um, doing some some deep diving, especially when it comes to the PPP? Those, I can say here in central Ohio, um, they a lot of people didn't even know where to go. Yeah. They, they banked yeah. with the big banks, but they were left like with no direction whatsoever. Left holding the bag, and 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 you know, and that's that's important, Fred, because you know you are uh, with the merger. I mean, you're you're a large regional bank, but you still have that you know small town feeling, and I mean that as a compliment. I mean that community bank, and and I think people love that about you guys. Well, thanks, Ed. And, and, and honestly, uh, you know, not to correct you, but you know, we are not really a regional bank at all. We are truly a community bank. We, we operate 
really in, in only three counties in southwestern Ohio. So we're, we're a community bank mutual in every sense of the word. And quite honestly, to, to Leanne's point and yours as well, Ed, I think what had happened is people during this process with the PPP, they, they were you know, reaching out to larger banks because they did have the resources and they were getting just, you know, thrown into a portal and, and they had no idea if their, um, you know, their loan was being processed, approved, denied. And so fortunately with us, you know, we, we, they reached out to us. And, and when you have a, a community bank you, you, and you're a relationship banker, you, you literally, you know, you, you could call the president of the bank. I mean, people yeah. were calling me um, on the phone and I was responding and we were, uh, we, we took a team approach and, and really, I can honestly say, you know, everyone that reached out to us with a need on PPP were, were taken care of and were served. And again, that's just the, you know, the nature of, of dealing with a community bank and having a community banker that you can actually pick up the phone and talk to. And, and again, uh, and, and of course, you know, I understand in all fairness, the larger banks were overwhelmed and uh, they just simply couldn't uh you know, process everything in a timely manner. They just, you know, the whole system was getting uh, overloaded. So, but with that being said, we were very, very pleased with the, you know, the way that worked out. And, and our consumers, you know, like I said, our, our customer base, we feel we, we were able to uh, navigate through that. And, and everybody seems to be, uh, knock on wood, in pretty good shape right now. Well, so what what did you guys do? Uh, how did you handle it? I mean, what what did you do during that time period that you um, hadn't done before, or or maybe accelerated? You know, like different um, yeah delivery channels, as you said earlier, or different funnels. I mean, how how did you get to people? Because you know, every everyone was kind of locked up. Well, you know, Ed, you know, uh, unfortunately, during you know a good part of that time, you know, we did choose, made the decision to close our lobbies, and uh, so we really, and I hate to say it, but we kind of, you know, we forced our customers to you, you know, to use uh, drive-throughs, use mobile banking or mobile app. Now, those things were always there, but I think a lot of people at times had a hesitancy to use those things because, uh, you know, we we certainly like it when our customers come in the lobby and interact with them, but. You know, we do have those other delivery channels, and a lot of times people just they just didn't even realize they were they were out there. They just chose uh, not to go that route. But with the pandemic, we we really saw an uptick in you know again drive through activity, um, online banking activity, mobile app activity. So it really did you know force folks to use those technologies that that we have in place. And, and I think people found that once they started using it, that it does work, and and they were you know. It, it is useful and they're comfortable using it, but you know, it just it just took a, you know, quite honestly, a, a change in, in thought process and, and a, you know, paradigm shift to get to get folks who just maybe were hesitant to use those uh, channels to to feel comfortable with them. Now, how about the the since that point in time? Now that everything's starting to you know, it's everything's opened up. Have people started to come back into the lobby? And you know, how are you addressing those those things? Well, you know, that's a good question. I mean, we're, we're looking at transaction counts. I mean, they're certainly up compared to the worst of the, of the pandemic. But I think a lot of people, again, are, are, are choosing uh, not to come in. They, they found another um, another means of, uh, of banking, and, and we're not seeing the foot traffic uh, that we were seeing uh, before the pandemic. And I think that's probably uh, – safe to say that's, that's probably industry-wide and and you know that that's a good thing but it's not a good thing you know we, we certainly uh 
uh, want our customers to uh, to come in and to interact with us, and we can, you know, it's easier to discuss their situation, whether it be lending needs or whether it be their investment needs or what have you, you know, in person. But we certainly understand that that again, there's other avenues are out there, and and um, you know, we, we we encourage them to make use of that. Yeah, and the other thing too, I, I can say from a you know banking. Uh, standpoint, I may be getting ahead of myself, but you know, one thing we found, which is, you know, really, I hate to say it, problematic for the industry, but the, you know, with the infusion of of cash into the system by the Fed and the trillions, you know, the, those funds had to land somewhere, and they're they're landing, <laughs> they landed at banks and banks yeah. like ours and every bank. So, you know, we're struggling as to do with with, with what to do with all this excess reserves and and, and cash and. Uh, you know, there's really nowhere to go, you know, to invest it. The lending um, demand isn't that high. So so I think all banks are struggling uh, from, from you know, J.P. Morgan Chase all the way down to Valley Central Bank is, hey, what, what do we do with all this cash that's in the system? And, uh, you know, it sounds like a good problem to have, but it, it is a problem nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, you have all that cash on hand, those reserves. You know, you guys – it's been all about relationships, right? And and you can tell that because you're, um, you know, everyone on your team, you, you've got people that have been there for, for decades. Um, and, you know, you, you probably from one generation to another generation, you know, as far as customers and families be now that people have kind of gone more to the um, – uh, digital side and and not in person. How are you maintaining those relationships? And and it goes, I guess, right to the reserves too. How can you get out the the word that hey, this is you know we're here to help because it's got to be it's got to be tough. You're in a very unique situation compared to most businesses. You know, maintaining those relationships are, are key. You know, from a generational aspect, and and I, I believe it's you know it's important for us you know, to, as wealth transfers from, from generation to the next, that we're still there, we're the bank, we're, we're the, uh, you know, the go-to place when it comes to, you know, your, your first savings account all the way to your, you know, your first mortgage and your first, uh, um, you know, home purchase. And, and, you know, we're, we want to be that, that option, that avenue for, um, you know, for generations of families that, that, uh, you know, have banked with us and, and maintaining those relationships are very important. And we have a lot of clients that call us and they're talking about uh, the volatility in the market. They want their their money safe. And they will call on a regular basis to say, can you, uh, because they don't feel as comfortable not having a face to deliver something that is savings that they want to transfer from what was in the market to out of the market. Yeah, their life they savings. Want to, they, they want to deal with with somebody that they can look in the eye uh, a lot of times because so I get those phone calls and they'll say to me all the time, not the big bank. I want a credit union or a community bank. And there's a reason for that. So um, I, I think in large part, I, I've watched a lot of people in this area and I imagine it's the same down where you guys are located. They're looking to go back to that safe relationship banking where they know trust. It's that all about trust, trust is, yeah. yeah, that trust is there. Well, and that, that, that's a great point, Lynn. And, you know, I, I let people know that you're right. People, at the end of the day, they bank with people. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what name's on the sign. It could, it could say XYZ Bank. It could say Fred's Bank. It could say anything. But you, you really bank with who you're comfortable with and who you trust. 
you know, and I, and I, I tell people, I, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, safety and, and depositing, you know, funds in our bank, I tell them, you know, honestly, my parents who are elderly have most of their life savings with my bank and I will treat you the same way as I treat my parents. And I, I will take it, you know, you're, they, they work all their life for, for what they've saved. And, and that's the kind of care and, and, and the kind of uh, high touch and, um, you know, that's the way we operate. You know, I, I treat everybody's funds on deposit like they're, it's my parents' money because my parents' money is at our bank. And, and you know, we're not going to be reckless with it. We're not going to make uh, crazy loan decisions. And, and uh, you know, because at the end of the day, you're lending out people's life savings and, and uh, they want to know that you're safe, secure, and, and, and can be trusted. And that's how, that's how we operate. Well, so, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and your history, because to be in the, the position that you're in, um, you know, at Valley Central, as young as you are, and uh, I like to say that because we're, we're about the same age. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting younger and younger every it year, is, isn't it? It is, my gosh. You know, a couple more years, I'll be 10, you know. <laughs> When I started in this industry, people like you and me were ancient, but now uh, that's not the case. I, so. <laughs> a little gray helps. Yeah, we're, uh, yeah. we're just getting started, aren't we? We're just yeah. That's right. Started. That's right. We're yeah, we're just hitting stride right now. Um, but, Absolutely. But, you know, but you've been doing this for a long time, so kind of you know, give us a little little history on you, how you kind of got into it, um, because you've evolved over the years, and I think you've had just about every position, you know, at, at the bank all the way to where you're at right now. Well, you know, Ed, it has been quite a ride. You know, I, I graduated, uh, you know, a little over 30 years ago from you know, Miami University and, and the business school. And um, at the time, you know, my major was, was accounting. And, you know, really about halfway through my senior year, I really decided I didn't want to pursue public accounting, but I felt like it would be a good idea just to finish up the degree program and graduate at that time. Um, first financial bank, they were first Southwestern at that time, or first national bank of Southwestern Ohio were recruiting on campus. And, um, they hired me, uh, right out of, of college. I, I was in their, uh, commercial loan department hired as a credit analyst. So I started, um, with first, uh, first financial as a credit analyst and, you know, evolved and, and, and moved into the retail side for a while. So I, uh, got, got to cut my teeth on the retail and branch management and, learned a lot. I was there 16 years. Eventually, I um, developed into a uh, commercial lender. Uh, the last 10 years of my career there, I was a commercial lender and new business development officer and rose to the level of uh, vice president. And then, um, you know, at the, at, after 16 years, by really by chance, Ed, uh, uh, American Savings Bank um, came around and wanted to know if I'd be interested in, in a position with them, their CEO um, was looking to retire early. It had some health issues, and it was a you know hometown bank uh, located uh, headquartered in Middletown, Ohio. I was born and raised in Middletown, Ohio. Um, you know, lived my whole life there pretty much, and it was kind of a neat story. Hometown bank, uh, hometown kid, hometown boy. And at first, I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't really looking. I, I wasn't very. Um, interested in the position maybe i was too too stupid to know what an opportunity it really was but i was you know, i was uh, 16 years at first financial and i was in a pretty good position there and i really wasn't looking to leave but then i finally uh woke up and thought you know what i want to give this a shot and i want to kind of um you know see if i can't uh 
manage my own uh, shop and steer my own ship. And I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, I always, I knew of American, believe it or not, but I really didn't know much about them. I thought they were fairly insignificant, but, but again, that was me being naive because at the end of the day, you know, a bank charter is a bank charter and, and, and taking on that position at American, I learned that, um, you know, the doors that opened up for me in the industry um, were just unbelievable. And the opportunities that provided me uh, not only to serve our community, but to really be, to get involved in the industry in a lot of uh, different ways. Um, it, it truly was a, a, a tremendous boost to my career. And uh, then, of course, after about 12 years at American, uh, you know, the opportunity came along uh, with Valley. Um, we started talking and um, we found that we were two kind of like-minded institutions with very similar histories. And with, uh, you know, with Community Bank Mutuals, um, nothing happens overnight. We're both very, uh, you know, long histories, very conservative, very kind of plotting. You know, our our courtship lasted about four years, and uh, but fortunately, it all came to pass, and we we exchanged our vows, and uh, you know, two years <laughs> later, here, here here we are. It was a it was a very long courtship, but uh, it, it all worked out. So, you know, so that's about uh, thirty years of of my career in a nutshell. And um, you know, I, I I married with children. My wife and I have been married for. 26 years we have six sons and um that wow that's a career in and of itself i like that that's a second full time uh, well my wife that's my wife's a saint i'll say that she's she's kept our household together for 26 years and managing um you know six boys hasn't always uh it's certainly been challenging it's been, been a labor of love i'll say that but it certainly doesn't come without coming out some challenges i know um you know i've heard Talk, it's talked about his family as well, so we all know we're on. We're in the same boat yeah. there, I think. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, but wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, so how, how do you you know when you go through the merger and everything else, um, you know, with uh, the the employment issues on both sides, um, especially early on. I mean, how did you keep the culture the way that it is? Because it is very you know service minded. Every time I go into a different branch, I mean, the attitude is the same. Um, so how, how did you keep that in check and and help it to flourish? Well, and you you know, Ed, it really wasn't that difficult because you know during the. Um as I mentioned, the courtship process, we found out, you know, culturally we were very similar. So there really wasn't a lot of indoctrination that we had to do post-merger because everybody kind of believed in this, in the same philosophy, had the same uh, uh, value system. Now there was some procedural things, obviously, that we had to line up and, and those type of things that, um, you know, you're always going to run into uh, with a merger. But as far as, um, you know, customer service philosophy, uh, the way customers are treated, that really was the easy part. That really didn't have to be changed or tweaked or it was pretty much just turn everybody loose and just keep keep doing what you're doing. But, you know, like anything else, when when you have two two different institutions come together, you're always going to find there's some, well, gee, we do it this way. And, well, we, we, you know, we, we cross the T this way or dot the I this way. So, you know, those things have to get worked out. And quite honestly, we're still working through some of these, some of those things. And, and um, you know, but, but as far as the, um, you know, how, how we, um, you know, do business or how we operate uh, with respect to our, our customers, that, that's really been, been pretty easy. 
And I think what I, the last thing, I, as I'm going to bring this to a little bit of a close here, I want to make sure that we focus a little bit on small businesses that you have under you and those that are looking for a place to go to. What would you say makes you different? Well, Leanne, I, I, that's a great question. I, and you're right. I would like to, as we close, focus on that a little bit. You know, as a, um, you know, as a mutual, as a thrift, traditionally our bank um, is primarily in the one to four family mortgage loan space. But I will say this, my background, particularly in my years of first financial bank, was in, in commercial lending and small business lending. And there's, there really isn't any reason why we can't serve that clientele. And, and we are. And and, it, and we do it very well, even as a small bank. And, and, and we feel like, you know, we can meet, we could serve a niche where the, the regionals and the money center banks just don't really want to play in that space. They, they've decided in their model, it's not profitable for them to, to manage or to bank a small, a small company. It just doesn't fit in their model. So we, we, it does fit in our model. And with my background, you know, being commercial and, uh, you know, we did a very good job at, at, at American, even pre-merger. We had a, quite a few business relationships and business accounts and though we were just too small uh, to serve uh, even small businesses. So that part of the reason of the merger was to gain uh, more capacity, more lending capacity mm-hmm. to better able, more better products. Uh, and, and that's been a big, big part of the mergers. We've been able to even strengthen our small business uh, footprint. And um, again, it's the same philosophy. You, 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 uh, you're dealing with a local person that understands your business, understands your market and um, you know we're, we we want to grow, particularly now with the pandemic behind us, and uh, and people more comfortable now investing again. We we want to uh, be that go to uh, bank uh, for for lending and and deposits on the business side. And and um, like I said, it, it, I'm comfortable with it. That's my background. That's what I did for you know half of my career, and and um, you know I, I still get personally involved in a lot of lending relationships. That's just how it should be. I love That's that. That's awesome. I love that. And so with with rates, I mean, you know, the the rumor on the on the hill literally is uh, you know, no, November they're they're possibly going to uh, announce, you know, rate increases and possibly a couple increases next year. I mean, who knows? No one's got a crystal ball, but um, you know, how do you think that that's going to impact, you know, especially with the reserves that you have on hand and lending and getting the word out, you know, that hey, you know, now's a good time. Well, you know, Ed, we've been at historically low interest rates for such a long time. I, I don't know that uh, a lot of folks even re- remember what it was like. You know, I can I can remember a time in my career, you know, maybe early in my career, but, a, you know, commercial loan, you know, wasn't that unusual to price commercial loan at 8 or 9%. That yeah. was kind of the only yep. rate, and people didn't even blink an eye. So, you know, even even with some, you know, even if there were to be some rate increases, you know, we're, no, we're going to be nowhere near that kind of rate environment for a long time, if ever. And so you're right. I mean, now is the time to borrow. It's still a, a, a very attractive rate environment. And, uh, you know, especially particularly with banks like us that, you know, uh, do want to lend, uh, you know, we're going to be aggressive, uh, you know, in terms of pricing and, and uh, rate structure. And so, yeah, if you're, if you're thinking about buying that new building or, or, you know, investing in that piece of equipment or uh, rolling stock or whatever your needs might be, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly there to, to take care of you and we'll certainly make it worth your while in terms of uh, pricing. And, and uh, you know, and again, like you said, we, who knows what will happen uh, with rates, but 
I still think we're in a very attractive rate environment, even if there were to be some bumps here in the coming uh, months. You know what? I think people are, are going to take some comfort in hearing that because, you know, you, it's, <laughs> you turn on the news, Chicken Little is yelling, the sky is always falling. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not always necessarily the case. And, and you guys have locations throughout, you know, from Middletown into Cincinnati. So where, where are you guys located so that people can find you? Well, you know, we're pretty much at, up up and down the you know the I seventy five corridor. We're um, you know we we uh, have locations as far north as, as Middletown, and then as far south as uh, Reading. We do have a loan production office in Montgomery, and we also have a our headquarters is um, you know full service branch in Liberty Township. So we have um, currently five five offices, uh, four full service and one low loan production office. And um, so we're uh, really throughout Southwestern Ohio, Hamilton, uh, Hamilton and Butler County, primarily Warren County um, is where, um, you know, where our footprint really lies. All right. Well, Fred, I want people to be able to get a hold of you. And uh, what is, what is a good way for them to get a hold of you if they have questions or if they want to reach out to you guys? Absolutely. Um, Leanne, uh, any number of ways, my email, and I'll um, say it really quickly, it's fdbiasi at valleycentral.org, and that's F as in Frank, D as in dog, E as in Edward, B as in boy, I as in ice, A as in apple, S as in Sam, I as in ice, the at sign, and then valleycentral.org, and then my direct line at the bank, which will ring in, you know, in my office, is um, 513 868-5365. Great information. I really appreciate all Absolutely, the time. Absolutely, Fred, Fred. Thank you. Well, thank you both. We are going to make sure that everything is put together nice and neat um, when you go to this podcast. So again, um, we will have that all plugged in. If you have any questions for Ed, if you have uh, questions that you want to learn more about Valley Central Bank, our contact information here is 614-526-4118, or you can reach us at www.egsifinancial.com, or give us an email at info at egsifinancial.com. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Ed. Fred, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you both. Uh, it's been a privilege, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. You guys have a great day. Absolutely. Well. You too. Hey, when was the last time you tested your fitness level? Not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance. Because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the Retirement Trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for, a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 1020619. Thank you.